How you doing? This was quite a week, wasn't it? If we were to spend the first few minutes comparing scars <laughs> from the week we just had with Jesus, um, if you encountered this section of scripture anywhere close to the way I did, you might have come out of this thing a little bit bruised and beaten. <laughs> um, and you might have a few battle scars to show. This was a difficult chapter to write. Uh, I imagine if you took it seriously, it was a difficult chapter to study. From now on, if, if anyone ever comes up to you and says, I love the Sermon on the Mount, you're probably going to be very suspicious of them. Either they've never read it, <laughs> right, or they didn't take Jesus seriously, right? Um, because in this section, the king has come and he has presented himself in his full authority. We realize at the opening of this section, he's not messing around. He came to take sovereign control of our lives. He's already in sovereign control over the entire universe, having created it by his own word. He was the word that was spoken at the beginning. He was the word that was spoken over the chaos, over the darkness, and order came to be. He was that word. He's already over the entire cosmos. And now, having always wanted to be with us, he has, as is described in Hebrews, passed through the heavens. He's passed through the heavens in order to be born here as a baby. And now, with the Sermon on the Mount, is taking his throne. And he is saying, I am here and I am in charge. I will be sovereign over your lives as I am sovereign over the world. And he begins to take the Old Testament law, the law that was very familiar and irksome to the crowd that sat before him that day. And he said, you've heard it said like this, but I'm saying this. I want you to be sure to notice it in, in your Bibles. So your Bibles, well, you know, the Bible that's printed in your book. So on page 73, on page 73, um, I want to be uh, just, just sure that you notice it. And so we're just going to take a moment this morning to go through it. Um, in, in the case that you didn't uh, go through it this week, then I want you to do it now. But if, if you did go through it, then notice it now as it might be marked um, in, in your Bibles, in your books. Um, in, in on verse 21, right there on the beginning of our section on page 73, he says, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago. So that's Old Testament. You've heard that it was said, and I suggested that you, call, you know, put a box around that, and then maybe over the words, it was said, that, that is the way they referred to Old Testament law. You've heard that it was said, or it is said. When, it, when, it, when that statement is made, it means I'm getting ready to utter the law. It is said. He said, you heard that it was said that you shall not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. And then there's this statement, but I tell you, but I tell you, and I suggested that you color that in in yellow because that's a statement of God. I tell you, and then I outlined it on your direction page. I outlined it in red on mine. I outlined it in blue because I like blue for righteousness and rightness, true blue. I like it for rightness. And so I outlined it in blue. That matters not, but just so that you notice, you've heard that it was said, and then, but I tell you. 
This is where Jesus is saying, I'm taking control over the law. I'm taking control over the Torah. I'm taking control over Moses. I'm taking control over Israel. I'm taking control over you. I am sovereign. I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister is subject to judgment. Now look down in verse 26. Truly, I tell you. Truly, I tell you. He says the same thing, but he adds this little word, amen, amen. It's sometimes translated, it's in English we say amen or amen, depending on if you're from the South, and you might say amen. Um, amen, it means, it's sometimes translated verily. It means I mean it. Pay attention. Listen up. I'm telling you. He's taking full authority. Now, go to your next page. We're going to just look at each one. Verse 27, you've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you, yellow and blue, I tell you. You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, I tell you. That if you so much as look at a woman lustfully, this is obviously aimed at men, but women, we have different applications for lust. We have different ways that we lust. I tell you that if you so much as lust, you've already committed adultery in your heart. You're there. Verse 31, it has been said, that's the law, the Old Testament law, anyone who divorces his wife must give, him a, give her a certificate, but I tell you. And he goes on about divorce. Verse 33, you've heard that it was said, Old Testament law, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath. But I tell you, verse 34, I tell you, do not swear an oath at all. See the contrast? Verse 38, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. New Testament, verse 39, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Finally, verse 43, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, Love your enemies and bless those who curse you. Jesus is setting this up, this rhythmic repetition up so that it will be noticed so that it can't be ignored. This is what your teachers, the, the Pharisees and the scribes, this is what they've been teaching you. But I'm telling you this. I'm giving you a new kind of law. And when you read it, you're like, oh my, he's raising the bar way up here. How can he possibly think? How can he possibly expect? What, what, is, he, what is he thinking? That we've got to do way better than the scribes and the Pharisees? We've got, to, we've got to be way more righteous, way more obedient than the people who make it their entire business? That's their job, is to be righteous and to impose righteousness on other people. And he gives us this contrast. He's saying the old law was written on these stone tablets. The old law was written on parchment. The old law is written on paper. But the new covenant I'm inviting you into, this new arrangement is going to be written on your hearts. It's written in your minds. I'm going to take possession not just of the kingdom. I'm going to take possession of, of your very hearts. And when I do that, as I do that, 
I am capable of transforming, changing your heart. I'm capable of making you a different kind of person, the kind of person who can be obedient to the law, even as I am proclaiming it here today. The kind of person who, as they realize their true self, is going to find that this life within the boundaries, this life within the law of the kingdom, is the happy place. It's the good place to be. Every kingdom, every country, every land has to have a law. We have to have laws. The kingdom of God is the perfect example of a kingdom. So it has laws. We don't like laws. We don't like rules. We don't like boundaries. People trying to tell us what to do, when to do it, how to do it. You know, doesn't, did you feel every bit of your spirit rebel as you, as you got into the ring with Jesus this week? I did as I studied this material, as I presented myself in front of Jesus. I felt every little stitch of rebellion in me rose up and said, but I, but I, but I, and Jesus insisted, I'm sovereign. And as you come in underneath the range of my effective will, my kingdom, as you come into my kingdom, come deeper. He said, come deeper, come deeper into my kingdom. And you're going to find within this range of God's effective will that you will finally know what it is to be happy. That deep meaning of happiness that we find in the, be, the Beatitudes, the be happytudes, that, that sincere, regardless of my circumstances, regardless of where I am, that kind of happiness. It happens only in the peace that is provided as we learn to be attentive and obedient to the king. We'll have to wrestle down every bit of rebellion in our spirits, raise that white flag and surrender to King Jesus again and again and again. And as we do that, we'll find ourselves loved, precious, adored, valued. As we do, we'll find ourselves to be good, good. And we'll find that we didn't do it on our own strength. We did it by a resolute obedience to who Jesus is. Goodness in scripture, sometimes called righteousness. He takes us right through all these difficult, difficult conversations. Because the old kind of righteousness, you made it as long as you didn't murder anyone. All right, I can do that. Jesus says, I'm going to dig underneath murder, and we're going to talk about anger. Uh Uh-oh, now I'm in trouble. He says, we're going to dig underneath this whole deal about adultery. Don't commit adultery, and you're fine. We're going to dig underneath that, and we're going to find lust. We're going to dig underneath that. We're going to dig underneath the surface sins, the old kind of righteousness. We're going to find what's at the root of it. We're going to find what motivates it. We're going to find at the very base of it, 
we're going to find a foundation. And then we're going to do foundation work. And as we begin to do foundation work, then we're going to be able to build ourselves up from the bottom. Make all the cracks come together. Make things right and righteous where they're visible and out where everyone can see it. That takes time, but it must start down deep. I once had a, um, a wonderful session at a conference where the speaker was talking about sin. And she, uh, on a whiteboard, she just started having the crowd name off sins, just random sins, the things that get people in trouble. And adultery, sexual sin, um, of, of all kinds, lying, pride, all of this. Um, dishonesty, cheating, um, all kinds of sins. Just wrote them all over the whiteboard. And then she wrote a big line across the bottom. And she said, underneath the foundation of all of these sins is pride. And then she drew a big thick line underneath the word pride. And she said, underneath this pride is fear. Fear that I'm not good enough, I'm not valuable enough, they're not listening to me, they're not taking me seriously, why does everyone ignore me? How many times do I have to say that? And underneath is this sense of insecurity, insecurity. It's the same word, if you think about it, as dis-ease, disease. It's illness. It's a sense that everything is not okay. It's this deep fear that we're broken at the root of who we are. If we can receive that, if we can accept it, and then go to the cross, as Lindsay was saying, and receive the healing that comes from the blood of Jesus, that comes from his own wounds, only then will the foundation be repaired so that all the cracks and all the problems above ground can be fixed. And we can have then what we would call righteousness that way outshines the Pharisees. Righteousness, that is where we stand in a right relationship with God, where God looks at us and says, yes, well done. That, that's my amen. That's where I say, that's right. Where God agrees that that is right. I, I'm sorry this is so heavy. I told the leaders I was going to get y'all mad and then send you off to your small groups. Um, but remember, hey, it's not me, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. And I think that the best illustration in my life was the little quick story I put at the end of the chapter about speeding. I don't know if you had a chance to read it, but I have this habit of leaving the house a little late. And usually by the time I do that, I'm driving way too fast for public safety. Therefore, I'm an outlaw, right? I'm, I'm living outside the law. Because I'm an outlaw, I'm always looking 
for police cars, for law enforcement, right? Yes, you're looking, you're like, could that be a spotlight? Could those be, could that, could that? Oh my goodness, I, I, I was driving to work not very long ago and I felt my abs start to shake because I'm like pulling myself forward and looking all around like, oh my goodness, who's that, who's that? Are they out to get me? And all the other cars that are on the commute with me are like, suddenly my enemy, you know, they're like standing directly in my way. This would be a lot easier to speed if you would please speed. Like, why aren't you going fast? Really? You don't have anywhere to be today? You're just out here lollygagging around just to pretty much stand directly in my path? Nice. Thank you. I actually have some place to be. That you know, you can find the gas pedal. It's the long skinny one on the right. I, I'm telling you that, that it's not that hard. Everybody's my enemy. Everybody's in my way. And law enforcement is out to get me because I'm an outlaw. But if I will take a breath, give myself some margin, leave a little early. I drive down my street and I think, the neighbors worked on their yard this weekend and it is beautiful. Look at those rose bushes. Look at, look at that tree. I drive by my pond. I might even slow down and take a quick picture because sometimes the sun is coming up right over the pond and shining through the fountains in the pond. You don't want to miss it, girls. You don't want to miss driving past that, that pond with the sun shining over it in the morning. And, and people, that, the other commuters now, they're not my enemy. They're, they're fellow, they're neighbors, you know? They're, they're people who are out trying to go where they're trying to go. And I and I think about them, and I can appreciate them, wonder where they're going, what's on their list today? When I see a police officer, I pray for them. God, thank you that they've dedicated their lives to keeping me safe. Thank you, and, and that, that they've gone through all the trouble and daily threats, daily threats against their safety to keep me safe. Keep them safe today. Don't let any harm come to that police officer, male or female. I can usually see the whites of their eyes by then. And, and, I, and I pray for them. This is the difference. It's the stark contrast of living in the kingdom, being a law-abiding citizen. It's the kind of peace that I have, the graciousness, the kindness I'm able to extend to others, the joy I find in things around me when I'm living within the laws of the kingdom. If I'm an outlaw, I'm in a constant state of anxiety, unrest, dis-ease, insecurity, fear. But if I will exercise my rights to live within the kingdom of God, then I find that I have friends all around me. Kindness comes very naturally. I'm free. I'm free. It's the only happy, happy place. And I hope that you'll learn to live there. I've struggled to live there. I have scars to prove it. We can talk about those. We can compare them. But that's my prayer for you, that you'll know your happy place as you acknowledge that the power of King Jesus is unimaginably greater than your own. Surrender. Surrender. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for your kindness in reaching out to us and sending your son Jesus to actually inhabit this place. I pray that you will 
be gentle with us as we let go of the white-knuckled grip we have on the illusions of control that we cling to in our lives. As we surrender them over to you, help us to find that sense of freedom and joy, that it's real, and that the happiness that follows is the kind of happiness you were trying so hard to describe to us. I pray that you will fully inhabit the throne rooms of our hearts. Allow us to clear out every bit of clutter, everything else that's competing for those thrones and give them to you. And as we do, we become ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.